Greetings, welcome back to One True Pod, brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. We are the Athletics Big 12 Podcast on the Andy Staples Show and Friends Feed. Thanks as always for listening. My name is Jason Kersey. I'm joined today as always by my good friends Max Olson and Sam Khan. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm ready for week two. We got a week full of games in. Now we got another weekend coming, so I'm ready to go. How are you guys? Max, how are you doing? You know, I'm I'm on my third cup of coffee, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm alive. I'm here. And you know what? We can finally drop the whole like sort of for now bit when we talk about the Big 12. Hell yeah. Big 12 is going to keep on living, fellas. This this what what implosion? It's not happening. This conference Big 12 forever. This conference cannot die. 99 more years, man. <laughs> this conference cannot die. As we as we no. found that out in 2010-11, we're finding it out today. Everybody writes the Big 12's obituary and look at them now. Um so let's just let's right. just start there, Max. Um, what's the latest on, on Big Twelve expansion? We're recording here on Thursday morning. The Big Twelve is going to go to twenty four teams. <laughs> it, it hasn't changed. Oh, you um, and Texas are staying, right? To be part of it. Oh, you and Texas have agreed to an extra five years. They're worried about the FCC. Um, <clears throat> you know, we are. It's guys. It's remarkable that how fast this has all moved. Honestly, that it is like it's. I looked this up. It's been fifty days since the Houston Chronicle report came out that Oklahoma and Texas were going to the SEC. Okay. Or at least we're trying to go to the SEC. And you think about all the things that have occurred in that timeline, not just in the big 12, but with the Alliance and you know, all, all, all this chaos. Um, it's, a, it's really kind of amazing that, you know, we last week, the big 12 gets together on Tuesday and Wednesday in Dallas bulls being the, you know, the eight uh, ADs of the remaining schools. And, Figured out a plan, you know, and move forward with it just to invite um, or, or they're heading towards, you know, inviting uh, BYU, UCF, Cincinnati and Houston. And uh, truly remarkable that um, they were able to sort of get the votes and get consensus on that so so easily. Maybe it's because these were the targets in 2016. So they already kind of had the information on them. Uh, but we are we are heading towards wedding day here in the Big 12, I think, most likely, you know, Friday morning here and. Lots of questions to be answered about, you know, when they join the conference. Can it be 2023? Um, you know, certainly unclear what Texas and Oklahoma are going to do. But uh, Sam, congratulations! That degree hanging up on your wall is suddenly a lot more valuable, buddy. <laughs> Go Cougs! Right? <laughs> the uh, yeah, this is a long way today for Houston, obviously. But more than that, I think it's it's good for the Big Twelve long term. Just to survive, and, and I don't know how much they're going to thrive, but I think once this thing settles in, this is not a bad conference. It's not a bad football conference. It's a pretty good basketball conference. And I think as you I, – I am the most excited about the idea of four old Southwest Conference members being back together. Houston being back with some old conference mates, and you can play Baylor, you can play TC, you can play Texas Tech. So from a University of Houston graduate standpoint – that's what I'm excited about uh, for them, but also, I mean, I, I don't, I didn't, I didn't want to see this league dissolve at all because no. No. I think it's a good league, it's a competitive league. There's some good teams. I mean, even outside of Texas and OU, we're talking about Iowa State ranked in the top ten right now. Oklahoma State has been a consistent winner under Mike Gundy. I think there's a lot of good stuff to sell in this conference, and even though it may not be at the level of the SEC or the Big Ten, 
it is still a competitive conference, and I still think it deserves a seat at the table whenever we get to a college football playoff expansion. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's uh, it's awesome to see um, to see the the way that it's come together, Max. I, I agree. It, it's sort of unbelievable uh, how quickly it's come together. I mean, Sam, ten days ago, if you'd asked us, we would have said Houston's not getting into the Big Twelve. Like it just it just it's just like sort of flipped overnight. It's it's unreal how um, you know we we knew we kind of knew where this was heading a little bit, but like man, last week just every, everything just you know all kind of the, the pieces all fit together finally. Yeah, and I think we talked about this last week, but once the Pac-12 so they're not expanding, that mm-hmm. pretty much shut the door, and it and it made it clear that the options were not plentiful for the other Big Twelve schools, so they had to do something. I commend them for acting swiftly, and I'm curious to I'm curious to know is this just the next step? Is this the last step? Is there something to come after this? You know, we'll see. Obviously, the, these things are so unpredictable, but uh, but for now, I think it's a good good end result, and uh, I, I think it provides some intrigue. And I'm most intrigued again, going back to my Houston roots. Is Texas and Houston going to share a conference at one point in 2023? If they come in 2023, are Texas and OU still in there? And is Texas going to have to come to the University of Houston to play a football game? I can promise you, ever since the last time they played, and that's a long story for another day, they have no desire to come back to Houston for a football game. I was going to ask if I'm going to get a trip to uh, BYU at least once before before, – Hey, it's a it's a pretty trip. You know, I, I know. Into, I've heard great things. Salt Lake City. It's, yeah, yeah. I, I was there for a football game. I don't know if you guys remember. Texas played at BYU not too long ago. Oh, uh, Texas remembers. Hill was the quarterback there. Yeah, it was. Taysom Hill. Was, pretty, was that wait? Was that game. the Manny Diaz game? Oh yeah, yes. that's what I, Manny yeah. Diaz remembers that game. I, I know he would like to forget it. It's funny too because this season we we just had Houston Texas Tech and we're going to have Baylor BYU here in, in the middle of the year. So we're already going to have some of these. We're gonna get get a better look at. Do Do you think we should just start picking their games starting next Let's week? Let's do it. The, the Houston BYU, UCF Cincinnati games. I mean, Cincinnati's gonna be freaking awesome to watch. We may as well, you know, roll them into the. Pod. We can do that, but I, like I it. but I also think Max, you're only wanting to do that so you can catch up with me and Sam because you're off to a pretty rough start. But we'll, we'll, please t- please tell the public <laughs> how I'm doing in picks. Well, we can, we can get them. into picks later, but yeah, Max was uh, Max was one in five last week against the spread. Against the spread, we do pick Good against God. the spread. You got plenty of time to catch up. And remember, last year I was awful. So I, I'm feeling pretty good right now about myself. But Well, after finishing my second cup of coffee, I thought about being one in five and I poured that third <laughs> cup of coffee here. So we we will try to do better today. <laughs> well, uh well, great stuff. Well yeah, we'll we'll keep uh we'll keep an eye on all of that and I'm sure there'll be a lot more to talk about on that front next week. But uh but I actually Jason, what what, what do you real quick, what do you think of that conference? Like when yeah. you think of that twelve team big twelve in the future when Texas know you were gone someday, I look at it and say, you know, it's a conference that maybe anybody could win. Yeah. Like I, I, over the next five, 10 years, you could see a lot of different schools, you know, rising up and, and playing for conference championships and, and winning, you know, winning big 12 title. What, what do you think of that? that just that conference and, and the composition. I, of it here I think forward? it's, I think it could be a really, really fun conference. I mean, when you look at, at these schools that they're adding, uh, they've all had good years in, in recent years, they've all beaten big teams. BYU beat Oklahoma, not all that long ago. Well, well, God, it has been a while. 2009 time is time is flying by for me. I I'm remembering though, but in fairly recent history, BYU has beaten Oklahoma. Yep. Um, Houston has beaten Oklahoma in, in recent years in 2016. Did, did, did Bradford get hurt in that yes. game? BYU? Yeah, that was Landry. That was yeah, the, the that. beginning of the Landry Jones era. 
Um, That's right. but, but yeah, I, I think it's a really exciting league and I agree. I think anybody could win. I could absolutely see Cincinnati winning this big 12. I could see BYU winning this big 12. Um, why, why couldn't Houston crop up and win the big 12? I, I think it could be really exciting. The yeah. one thing I think that I would, I, I don't know, wonder about is will recruiting, is there any school now in the big 12 that can, that can haul in a top 10 recruiting class that that's and, and i don't think the I, I think the answer is probably no to that yeah. so how will that affect things it's the it's the stars don't matter league you know going forward and that's going to be their mantra that can be the new one true champion stars don't matter <laughs> that's, that's right that's uh, right just embrace yeah, it but but i think it's i think it'll be a lot of fun i'm i'm genuinely looking forward to seeing that schedule and seeing how that all plays out uh, here in a few years absolutely Absolutely. So, um, well, guys, let's briefly go through last week's games. It is Thursday. We don't want to harp on it too much. And and then here in a few minutes, we're going to get to uh, Max had a chance to talk to the athletic Scott Docterman, Iowa beat writer, to preview the Cyhawk game, which should be awesome. That is a uh, top 10 matchup in the Cyhawk game. It's really, Wild. really cool. Wild. Really cool. Um, really exciting for Iowa State. Really exciting opportunity for Iowa State. But, um, Let's start with the game that I was at last weekend, guys. Oklahoma uh, was a thirty-one. What's up? What What's up with Oklahoma? Was a thirty-one point favorite and beat Tulane forty to thirty-five. And also keep in mind, this is a Tulane team that has been displaced from their home that is practicing uh, in Birmingham. That had the game shifted from a home to an away game at the very last minute, and they damn near beat the Sooners and came really, really close. If you watch that game, they were covering an onside kick there at the end. And I, I was thinking, oh boy, this national championship yeah. run is over. <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, I mean, even Pratt driving or uh, diving on the fourth down, he came he really did. close. Didn't yeah, he? he did. Delarian Turner yell makes a makes a perhaps season saving tackle there um, on that game. And I'm curious, and I'll, you know, I can get into to what I thought about it and everything. But I'm curious what you yeah. guys thought watching it. Um, Max, I'll start with you. What what did you think watching the Sooners? Uh, almost. Yeah, I mean, it's all all of these games are just sort of like an exercise in, okay, how much are you supposed to overreact to it? Is it just just one little game um, and not not reflective of, oh, you maybe playing close games all year long or anything like that? I, I wouldn't say it was the cleanest performance from from Spencer Rattler. I, I know that 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 this just comes with it now with the spotlight he has on him this year, that the, the expectation is going to be excellence and Heisman level play. And I don't I don't know that, you know, you really saw that throughout the game. But I think just the the odd thing is just OU kind of letting off the gas there in the second half and sort of letting Tulane come back in that game. And I, it sounded like Lincoln Riley kind of kind of learned a lesson there in terms of just the, the way that, that he has to approach this team and, and not, you know, letting them assume that they're just so much more talented than everybody that they can kind of coast through uh, the, the last few quarters. Do you, do you feel like that? I mean, it, why do you think it turned out like that? Well, it's... It, if this was just a one-off game, if this was the first time this had happened in the Lincoln Riley era, then I think it'd be easy to just sort of write it off. But the problem is this happens a lot. This is uh, last year. They were beating Kansas state 35 to 14 in the third quarter and lost. Um, they were beating Iowa state 24 to seven in 2017 and lost. Uh, they were beating Iowa state 35, 14 at halftime in 2019 and won 42 to 41 on a very bad, no call on a two point conversion attempt by Iowa state. Um, so this is a problem that, that they have. And I think Lincoln Riley needs to figure it out because this is their best shot at, at playoff success that they've had in a long time. And, um, 
But th- these sorts of things can blow it. Now it's possible this was a wake-up call and they'll be fine the rest of the year. But again, if it hadn't been a problem before, then I, I would I would have a lot easier time just writing it off. But this week they're playing Western Carolina. That's not going to be a problem. I don't think Nebraska is going to be a problem. But when they get into Big 12 play... I can assure you they won't be. Yeah. <laughs> when they get into Big 12 play, Kansas State, uh, you know, West Virginia, Kansas State, Texas, first three games, you know... Th- that, that could be pretty dangerous. Um, Sam wanted to uh, ask you about Texas. The, the Longhorns uh, have a really nice debut for the Steve Sarkeesian era. Uh, you were there in the house. What was your impressions of, of the Longhorns? I was surprised how confident they looked, uh, impressed by how smooth and uh, just efficient they operated. It was, it was impressive because – I think we've become accustomed at Texas to that opening game being a debacle or something going terribly wrong for Texas. And I thought overall, Steve Sarkeesian's play calling was excellent. I thought the way he used Bijan Robinson in the passing game, uh, obviously as a, as a rusher, he fed him the ball like he promised he would. That the defense played pretty well. I thought they were solid. Uh, DeMarvin Overshown at, at weak side linebacker is looks like a potential star. To me, and uh, I think the only question I have is, you know, maybe a little bit better protection. You know, they, they it could see a little. You know, they let Hudson Card get hit a few times, but uh, you, you want to see that get shored up. And I think from a uh, special team standpoint, they got a punt return touchdown taken off the board on some blocks. But overall, you beat a ranked team by 20 points. Uh, the game was not particularly close. It wasn't really ever in doubt. I think early on, certainly Louisiana was was in it, but as the game went on, it never felt like it, Texas was in danger of losing that game, and it fairly, clearly felt like they were the better team, and they they played like the team that had better talent. So I thought overall, impressed, smooth. I'm, I wouldn't go punch the playoff ticket for this team or Big 12 championship ticket for this team just yet, but I think it was a promising start and encouraging if you're a Texas fan to start the Steve Sarkeesian era this way. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, real quick, guys, we, again, we, we – uh, want to get to the interview with Scott Docterman, but the rest of the big 12, it really wasn't a great week for, for a lot of the big 12, uh, Iowa state, uh, has a real, another real scare in week one, Oklahoma state didn't just blow away Missouri state. Max, uh, as you look around the rest of the big 12, what, what were your impressions? I would say stock up on Texas tech. Um, That's, I thought yeah, that was a nice performance absolutely. from them Should have said Houston. That. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought I thought that, you know, what you saw from from Easy and from Taj Brooks and, and Tyler Shuck, um, and, and certainly just the way that they took over that game in the second half with the I think they finished on a thirty one oh scoring run. Um I thought that was impressive. I noticed I noticed this morning ESPN and FBI FPI has them as an eight and four team now. So how about that? Texas Tech is back. Um and I thought it was a good day from from Kansas State, you know, I, I you know, against Stanford. Um, you know, I think that you know, defensively really didn't let Stanford move the ball much. I know they're having QB issues, but, um, you know, great to see Skylar Thompson back doing his thing. Kansas state only played 45 snaps on offense. I think they'd probably take that every week in the big 12. They love playing that, that, that way. And, uh, I thought, you know, controlled that game pretty well. Um, you know, the other ones you, you sort of like, how much do you read into the, the, the concerns here? Obviously Oklahoma state without Spencer Sanders wasn't great. Um, you know, I think West Virginia, You've got some some real concerns there about you know there's some little bit of fine tuning there, but clearly that fan base is is turning on Jarrett Diggy, and you wonder this week with against an FCS opponent 
do you get a, do you get a little bit of a look at Garrett Green and does that kind of open things up there a little bit? I know they want to stand by him, but uh, certainly the turnovers in that game against Maryland were, were just killer for them. And then uh, you know, guys, I just I really enjoyed the time we spent together, not not together in the same place, but the time we spent together on Twitter, you know, watching Kansas football. That's right. That's right. I mean, wh- Jason, what is our bean situation? <laughs> that was a great. That was a great, great tweet, uh, Max. That was a- shout out to Jason Bean getting it done in the clutch. He did. He got it done in the clutch. The Kansas Jayhawks. Kansas, the Lance Leipold era. One true pod guest, Lance Leipold, we should say, um, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod starts off with a with a seventeen to fourteen victory. It was pretty dicey there for a while, though, guys. It, yeah. it was pretty dicey, <laughs> um, but but the Jayhawks do get it done. It's going to be a little tougher for them this week at Coastal Carolina, but uh, but Ooh. still, congratulations. Look, after all they've been through this off season, good for them getting a win, even if it was that hard. That's what I, that's my take on that game. The, the broadcast really drove it home there. Like, these guys have a, had a month of practice together, yeah. basically. Yeah. You know, just August. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think they're going to, as I've said before, I think they're going to look look a lot better. Even if they're not winning games, I think they're going to look better in November than they do now. But, you know, good on them for, for gritting it out in uh, in their opener and, and, and inspiring a little hope. Yeah. And I should have mentioned, when I said the Big 12 had a bad week, I should have mentioned Kansas State and Texas Tech. Uh, I, no, apologies to, to those fans because – Everybody knows how I feel about Deuce Vaughn. No, but the top 25 teams were definitely, (laughs) other than Texas, the top 25, you know, sort of caliber teams were ran into a little bit of trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's, uh, let's get into next week. We want to start with this interview with Scott Docterman. Max uh, had a chance to catch up with our Iowa beat writer, Scott Docterman, to break down the Seahawks game. So we'll go to that and we'll come back on the other side and make our picks and preview next week. This is a series that has been, you know, it's a big day here in Iowa every year when they play. They both could be bad or one mediocre and one bad. It doesn't matter. Now they're both in the top 10 and they've never been ranked before when they played one another. So, uh, you know, from the Iowa State angle, what's kind of been your takeaway of maybe Matt Campbell's trajectory to this point in his career? Um, And how have you viewed it? And where do you think they kind of sit as a program um, now that he's five years in. Yeah, I, I think it's one of the most impressive, um, you know, building jobs that anyone's done here probably in the last five, ten years of college football. And not to say, you know, it wasn't like Kansas rock bottom level bad when he took over, obviously. But, um, you know, I think that just the steps they've taken every year as a coaching staff, um, you know, especially within the context of the Big 12 and, uh, you know, going from that that sort of initial expectation of you know hoping to get to a bowl game, to now building into you know a program that uh, you know are you you're not more talented than the two three four best teams in the Big Twelve, but you do believe you can beat any of them. And you know when when you play right when you you know that you've got the pieces now. Um, you know certainly for Iowa State, their good players are now all Big Twelve good. You know that is that's a big hard thing to achieve in, in building up your program um, and, and hard to do it fast um, where, you know, the Brock Purdy's and Brees Hall's and Mike Rose's, they aren't just, you know, feel good stories of guys that play higher than their ranking. They're, they're like, you know, defensive player of the year, offensive player of the year in your conference. And so even with how, you know, Oklahoma's rolling and Texas is always loaded, uh, incredibly impressive. And, and, but, you know, certainly as we all know, 
um, this is this is the the trophy that's missing on the on the mantle there. You know, this is other than winning a Big Twelve title, this is the, the this is the one that you know everyone in that building uh, absolutely you know thinks about this all the time and you know throughout the year and and they want this one and and um, I'm sure that they roll into this one even with you know not the most exciting opener. Um, that they played against Northern Iowa, I, I think there's, I'm sure, a lot of confidence that, um, you know, when they play their best football, when they don't make mistakes and, um, you know, when they're healthy and all that, that, that they, they have a chance to to play with anybody on their schedule. And so this is, you know, it's absolutely fascinating that they're both in the top 10 here. I think this game features two of the best defensive coordinators in the country and certainly two of the most underrated ones. And, I really like the Heacock story, and I know you. you I think you wrote about them, and, and at one point, what maybe about two years ago, when it, him and Brent Venables. I mean, what, what kind of happened there? Oh yeah, you know, I think that you know what what Iowa State has done on defense um, was was really. I mean, it really surprised everybody in the Big Twelve. You know, to switch to the odd front um, and and get really proficient at that. You know, dropping eight and, and making you know quarterbacks a little bit more confused and and. Um, you know, certainly the way that like Iowa State just figured out a really, really smart way to get their best players on the field on defense and to simplify the game down for them and have fewer missed assignments. And, um, you know, it's it's been something that, you know, you keep iterating on it, obviously, over these last few years, but it's given them a big advantage when you play against Big 12 teams. You saw Baylor take it and steal it and then go win the Big 12 title the next year or, you know, play for a Big 12 title the next year with it. Um, and certainly it's something that Clemson adopted under Venables, um, you know, when when they were, uh, I think, two years ago, uh, doing that a little bit more um, and, and really having some success with it um, when they played. Uh, let's see, which game was that? Oh, when they when they beat Ohio State in the semifinal to go play LSU in the, ch- in the championship mm-hmm. that year, they kind of adopted more of that with their personnel. And uh, it'll be fun to see how it fits into this game. Certainly, I, I you know I think that that staff has uh, has done a really brilliant job of of just taking what you got and figuring out how to play good defense and, and really sound smart defense. And then you now you've got um, you know the guys like Mike Rose and Greg Eisworth who've been there a long time and and just a high level of experience at, at a bunch of spots in that uh, lineup. But I, I'm with you. I'm certainly interested to see. Um, uh, that, was a, that was a big highlight, real heavy um, kind of debut from Iowa's defense in this this first game against Indiana, and uh, you know certainly that 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 tug of war in the game is 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 going to be massive, I imagine. Just which defense uh, makes fewer mistakes? Yeah, I agree, and I think it's with Iowa State. It's really fascinating because I imagine they'll probably slide more from a three three five to a four two just because I think they might have to have at least somebody on the line of scrimmage because of Iowa's zone blocking scheme. They're going to need to, they're going to need to be physical to attack because Iowa is very, you know, it's, it's yeah. an old school. And they have some versatility yeah. in that. Haycock is a guy that still, you know, his, his whole experience is in four man fronts. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure there's a little bit of versatility there, but it's a, it's a fair point. And I, and I remember talking to Matt about that um, a couple of years ago and just, and he said, look, uh, Haycock was a guy four down lineman, Quarters coverage, that's what he wanted to do. But about midway through that first year, it was like, we can't win in this league with that or that defense. And then that's when collectively, and then Heacock really earned his money I mean, to switch it around. And, and they've turned into, you know, really a terrific defense. And, and, and for a number yeah. of years, it's they've had guys come and go. Jaquan Bailey, Jaquan Bailey was really good. And um, some of their other corners and stuff. And yet here they are. And, and Mike Rose, of course, has been there, it feels like forever. But... Um, you know, and then conversely with Iowa, 
Iowa was a 4-3 defense forever until 2018. And they got beat one too many times when they tried to throw their third, you know, their third linebacker on a slot. And it was against Wisconsin. And then inside of a final minute, couldn't cover. You know, and surprisingly enough, it's Nick Neiman who, who run, ran about a 4-4. He's with the Chargers now. And yet, you know, he's like, okay, we got to do something different. And they went to a 4-2-5. And it's better now than it's ever and it's been in 10-plus years. And the other day proved it. I mean, their secondary, yep. everybody in the secondary returned. They've got some good edge players. Their linebackers are pretty underrated. I think they're gonna they're really good. They've got some holes kind of up front in the interior, but it didn't they didn't look out of place the other day. I but I think Brock Purdy can kind of change the game a little bit against Iowa because Iowa is risk averse a little bit in the secondary in that that they do not want to give up any big plays. And uh, so that's what made a couple years ago so strange because that's really about all they did but but in this game it, it'll be it, can, it might be seven yards at a time per pass but Brock Purdy's good enough to do it um, on the flip side I don't know about Spencer Petras at Iowa I've seen him he's yeah, yeah. won games but it's not really him going out there and tipping the field and making the plays and his predecessors have done this in this series but he hasn't and he's going to have to prove it now, or or he'll have to wear that. Well, label. and Iowa State has to find a way to put Iowa in that position where where Spencer Petras has to prove that, mm-hmm. right? Like if you if you can if you're not getting gashed in the run game um, by Goodson and, and their backs, if if you know, I think if they are able to kind of um, have a little bit of control on defense, then I, I'm sure that's the plan at Iowa State is make the QB beat you because uh, we don't know. We don't know how good he is, mm-hmm. and we know how good Purdy can be. Can he play that kind of performance in this game? Um, not to say he's a very inconsistent guy, but you know, this is the the game you put it all together. Yeah, right. And and you know, at least locally within the state of Iowa, this is a legacy defining game. How you perform sure. in this, people, you know, it, it's not unlike what you see in Auburn, Alabama. Now it's not to the scope nationally, but in here in Iowa. You remember these games, what happened when, you know, Seneca Wallace's run or in basketball, LaFesta Rhodes' 54-point performance and, you know, all the you know, all these other events. So if Brock Purdy takes him down the length of the field in the final few minutes and they win that game, he'll be remembered forever by Cyclone fans as that guy. Or if Spencer Peaches throws a, an interception. You know, and, and in 2021, Scott, if you go do that, you can even become, you know, even richer because of that. That's know, right. Go sell the T-shirts of the, you know, the heroic drive and all that. And, you know, I think <laughs> it makes you a legend, but it can also make you a little money these days now, too. You know, can you if we were having if we had NIL two years ago, I guarantee there would have been T-shirts on the east side of the state that showed uh, the two Cyclones running into each other uh, on that punt. I guarantee. Yeah, I don't know if, but the, are you going to send the money back to the two players that are depicted in their likeness? I hope, hopefully so. I hope I so. But that uh, would be <laughs> that would be harsh. <laughs> if things like that do have a way of happening, though, regardless, so uh, you know, I, I could see that. So, I mean, well, how do you see this game playing out? I mean, you, you know, we've kind of broken it down in a lot of different ways, but I mean, you know, is, is there something that really stands out for you? You know, I think. I think I, I think Iowa State will win this, but I don't I, I don't I'm and I'm sure you probably feel the opposite, but I don't know if either of us feel very strongly about that going into this game. I, I don't know how you feel, but I, I think, um, you know, I, 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 
it's hard. It's easy to be a little bit concerned by week one and and the disparity in what you saw. You talk to some Iowa State folks who say, well, you know, in August, you know, just because of the approach we take with camp, we really don't really scrimmage that much in August. So sometimes that opener can be a little bit messier. Um, but can you flip the switch and go out and play your very best football? And, you know, you could watch that game and say maybe they're saving some good stuff for, for the Hawkeyes. I'm, I'm sure that's possible. Maybe that, that is the case. But um, so it, that does, that gives me some pause, obviously. Week one did. Uh, but I, I think that you know how important this game is to Iowa State, how important it is just as a step for the program. And maybe that can make it too big in your heads and, and you don't play your best on Saturday when, when it's time to kick off. But um, I think that two really, really good teams, I won't be surprised by either outcome. Um, and I, and you know that stadium's going to be rocking. I just I think Iowa State finds a way to get it done in truly a – I mean, we'd be shocked if it's a blowout, right? Like I think it's, I think it's a truly a four-quarter, last five minutes kind of fight. I'll, I'll take the Cyclones. Do you see Iowa winning that kind of a game? Oh, I think they can. I'm probably not predicting it though. And oh, really? And okay. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna pick Iowa State by three somehow. Yeah, that's kind of how we see it, it. Yeah, it would not shock me in the least if this is an overtime game. Iowa kicks a field goal. Iowa State scores a touchdown, type of thing. And I've seen it happen before. So you know, both sides. Um, I, I think. Right. As you mentioned, Iowa State traditionally plays poorly in its opener. Um, it's done that against Northern Iowa two years ago, double overtime. Louisiana over. last Louisiana, year. Louisiana, yeah. I was at that game, and they looked horrendous <laughs> in that game. Yeah. Um, and then they came back and had a really nice year. They, they've done that throughout. Heck, even going back, this is a ways, when Gene Chizik was the head coach, they started out in 2007 0-2, and they got beat by Kent State and Northern Iowa by like one was like nine, the other was like eleven points. Iowa was two and zero, had beaten Syracuse thirty five to nothing at home at night at Kinnick. They're going over to Jack Trice. I think it was a seventeen point favorite as Iowa was. Ended up fifteen thirteen. Iowa State. They kicked five field goals to win that game. So um, when I saw that, I'm like, just throw it all out. You never really know what's going to happen. And um, That's what happens when you go against a you know national championship head coach like Gene Chizik. You know, <laughs> we all knew it at the time too. You know, of course, you know, yeah, of we course. Figured he'd win it for the Cyclones, right? No, <laughs> no it, it. But that's kind of what I don't know is in this game things happen, things are weird, things change. Um, there have been times where you know two, four years ago up there where you know, Iowa took like a. 14 point lead and then Iowa State led by 10 in the in the fourth quarter and Iowa came back and went it overtime. I mean, it, it, I expect swings. I expect uh, you know a lot of different things. Really what it boils down to me and why I'm picking Iowa State to win this is quarterback. Spent uh, Brock Purdy even in losses like Baylor a few years ago. They're down like 20 to nothing and then they lose he score, takes them on three scoring drives and then lose 23-21. Uh even and then wins. He has that experience. He's done it over and over and over yep. again. You know the competitiveness. At some point, when you lose these rivalry games, you've got to reach it. And Matt Campbell's shown to me that he's capable of doing it. If he can do it to Oklahoma, which <clears throat> this program's yeah. never done, he can sure, do it to sure. Iowa. That said, Iowa's going in there with the same attitude. You know that they. Frankly, they want to kick their ass. You know that's the kind of the attitude that they're taking. Of course, yeah, um, of course. You know, I think in Des Moines Dowling alone, West Des Moines Dowling alone, there are eight kids, four on each side. I mean, so the you know Central Iowa is a blaze right now. So 
I just, I think all those factors lean into that. But as you said, I wouldn't be surprised if Iowa just shuts them down, maybe has a pick six of their own. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, you got them in a headlock for the four, four quarters and Iowa wins 20 to seven or something like that either. But I would predict it a different way. I would pick Iowa State somewhere in the neighborhood of 23-20 is probably something that I would go with. All right, fellas, there you go. Big big thank you to Scott Docterman uh, for joining the pod. Uh, you can hear the, the the rest of that conversation, a more extended conversation, on the Big Football Show uh, on you know our the Athletics Big Ten podcast. But uh, guys, let's 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 start where we kind of wrapped up there. Um, how do you see Cyhawk going? Uh, well, Iowa State has struggled in that game in, in recent years, and and Iowa is a is a really good team. Iowa State's coming off that rough start. I, I'm going to take Iowa because I, and I love Iowa state. Everybody knows how I feel about the, about the Cyclones and I still think they're a really great team, but recent history suggests that, that Iowa kind of has their number. And until Iowa state beats them, I think I'm just going to pick Iowa. I'm going to go the other way. I, I was very vocal and outspoken at the preseason, the start of this year that I was all in on Iowa state. I think they're going to go ahead and win the conference. And this this game does not affect their ability to do that, regardless of result. However, mm-hmm. I do believe last week's wake-up call will do just that. I think you'll see a lot better performance from this team this weekend, and I think Iowa State will go ahead and pull it out. I think I'm taking the clones. There, there's not going to be any vacancy on the bandwagon Saturday night if they pull this off. So you got you got to kind of make your decision on if you're in or out. You know, before before kickoff here. Yeah, I'm in. I, I'm in. I've been in. I'm staying on. I'm not jumping off right now. I am staying on the Cyclones bandwagon. Wait, so, so a lot of a lot of anti-Cyclone rhetoric here from from Jason. Why is that? <laughs> does, this, does this mean I'm out? I'm out of the off the Cyclone train just because I'm not picking them to win this yeah, game. You are not allowed to take any pleasure in Iowa State for the rest of the season. Not even not even my man Brees. I can't even talk him up anymore. Is that the rule? Th- them's the rules, right? <laughs> don't come don't come back on I, the bandwagon hey, when they beat oklahoma I, jason that's I all don't i'm make gonna the say rules, okay it, don't ask me i don't make the rules uh okay well i'm still i'm not changing because no that's cool it's, i'm not changing because well, that would be this. peer pressure and i don't succumb to peer pressure no well well all right let's start the picks here okay um and no one should listen to a word i say from from this point forward because i'm off to a, a one wait should start. should we uh, should we update the standings right quick we haven't yeah, let's let's go let's go to the Sam. I was five and one, and I have to thank Sam because Sam Ooh. talked me into taking Texas State against the spread against Baylor. If you hadn't done that, Sam, we would be tied at four and two, which is where you are. And then Max is uh, bringing up the rear at one and five, so that's where we're at now. Okay. You can pursue. so you're telling me I'm giving too much game away for free. I need to I need to hold some of that back. <laughs> Duly yes, noted. I need to do Sam Samcon's premium picks here. Um, <laughs> All right, so I will try to say as little as possible uh, during this pick segment uh, for for obvious reasons. I I should be sitting in the corner here. Um, I think I like Iowa plus four and a half, but I think Iowa State wins. Okay, so like by a field goal. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. So what do you where, where do you against the spread, Sam? You're taking Iowa State four and a half. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll go with you. I'll take I'll take Iowa State to win outright, but I'll take Iowa to cover. I think this is definitely going to be a field goal game coming down to the end type of result. All right. Well, I'm taking the Hawkeyes both against the spread and straight up. 
That's what I'm doing. Okay. Wow. I've already I've already angered right. our Iowa State listeners enough. I might as well just go for it. Hey, I mean, <laughs> the man's five and one. I mean, we all should follow his lead. Absolutely, you should. Um all right. So actually you should. You should just pick all the same games I do for the whole rest of the year. That's what you guys should do. And then I'll win. So no way. That's boring. <laughs> hey, spoiler work. Spoiler alert. I'm just picking favorites the rest of the day here. I'm, I'm just playing it safe. I, I got some catching up to yeah. do. All right. Let's go to uh, Kansas at Coastal Carolina. Coastal, a 25 point favorite. And uh, as much as you know, we love Lance Leipold here, um, I'm probably going to have to go Coastal here against the spread and straight up. Uh, Sam? Man, last week's game is very amusing. Very interesting. Does not inspire confidence in me that they can cover the 25. Yeah. Because they had a hard time beating a team that, an FCS team that wasn't very good. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to agree with you. I think, I think Coastal covers the 25 and wins going away. Matt. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and, you know, we know, I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see certainly how, you know, Kansas's defensive staff, um, you know, what they come up with for this week. We all know, you know, they played them last year, so they saw it. You know, that, that last staff, you know, didn't really have the answers in that opener uh, against uh, Grayson McCall and those guys. And, and we, we know that, that 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 option system is just damn hard to defend. So, um, yeah, I think I think Coastal will, will win pretty comfortably here. Um, but, you know, if you, if you keep it, if you keep it to like 17 or 20, like I would I would consider that a little bit of a moral victory for Kansas. And to be clear, guys, there are only five games with a line this week. There are other games. We'll we'll just touch on those and, and mention them at the end. But there are only five games with a line this week. We got five Big Twelve teams playing uh, FCS schools. Um, let's go next to Tulsa at Oklahoma State. Now Tulsa is coming off a pretty rough uh, defeat, but Oklahoma State didn't look all that impressive either. the uh, The Cowboys are a twelve and a half point favorite. Max, I'll I'll throw it to you first. Yeah, I, I think they'll cover that. Um, I, you know, certainly, you know, you want to have a, a better sense of of you know where Spencer Sanders is at for this game after he he missed the last one due to COVID protocols. Um, but that that wasn't the only thing that was wrong with Oklahoma State. You know, last week, I mean, they they need to run the ball a lot better uh, against Tulsa, and um, you know, I think they they're certainly they're missing some key guys on defense. So I think this is a bounce back week for Oklahoma State. They they got their scare. You know Missouri State isn't great, but they've they've got some um, some FBS bounce back players. Their quarterback was played at Utah and Utah State. Like they they had some decent players and 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 gave them a scare. You know down you know had some chances there down late in the fourth. So I, I think Oklahoma State probably responds and shows that, that they're a much better team this week. I, I'd be surprised if this one as close as the Tulsa game was last year. Um, you know even if it's Illingworth, I'd I'd be surprised if this game was was super super close. Sam. Yeah, I agree with Max. The the Tulsa game last year gave me pause, but at the same time, Tulsa just lost to UC Davis. Yes. And that that is problematic. So And Zaven Collins ain't walking through that door. That's right. That's right. And so given that, I, you know, I think it sounds like Gundy said earlier this week that that Spencer was going to be back at practice, you know, late in the week, so that that would track that he would play, but even if it's Illingworth I think they're in fine shape. They got to be better than 1.9 yards per carry. That's for sure. But I think no I think they win going away. I think Oklahoma State covers. Uh, so I got, I got the pokes. I really, if if UC Davis hadn't beat Tulsa last week, I would have been really tempted to take Tulsa against the spread. But 
after that freaking dan hawkins man after that i don't think i can in good conscience take uh, the golden hurricane apologies to my man eddie radosevich but i can't i can't take tulsa um i will uh, i will go oklahoma state against the spread i agree i think it could be a good bounce back game for them so um but again that game was close last year so we'll see um next up we got cal at tcu which is an 11 and a half point favorite i know that we've all we've all talked tcu up a little bit so i'll just go ahead and say i think tcu covers sam we'll go to sam next yeah i'll take tcu to cover and they had a very nice easy tune-up game against Tucane last week they didn't even play an entire second half they actually shortened the second half to 12 minute quarters because the Duquesne coach was concerned about depth and they, they they lost a few guys so they got a real easy like preseason game uh, to prep for this one. This one's at home. The first of four straight at home for TCU. Uh, Doug, Max Duggan looked smooth last week. The, uh, this, this team is rolling. So I think uh, TCU covers the 11 and a half. Go Frogs. Yeah, the you know, Cal Cal's coming off a loss here to Nevada. And we know Carson Strong's a potential, you know, high high draft pick at, at quarterback there. But just, you know, not, not a very inspiring, uh, you know, performance offensively from Cal. It is an interesting matchup um, for them, but I, I, I think TCU is. I think you're right, Sam. I think that 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 sort of scrimmage style opener was good for them to just sort of get rolling, build some confidence, and uh, you know, I, I think this is looking like a team, um, you know, when when healthy um, at, at the key spots. Like I think it looked like a team that can score a lot of points, and I think they probably will this week. So I like TCU to cover. And finally, uh, the old Southwest Conference rivalry renewed. What, what are you taking on that one? Me? I said I, I yeah. said TCU. I said it up up front. Oh, sorry. Yeah. All yeah. right, My it's bad. okay. My I was very brief, but I said TCU. Um, now we'll move on to the, you know, the probably the well, other than Iowa, Iowa State, another Big Twelve sort of game of the week, a future SEC matchup, a former Southwest Conference matchup, Texas at Arkansas. Um, we'll start with the tech expert, Sam. Uh, and you'll be there, I believe. Sam, you'll correct? be at this yeah. game, right? Yeah. yeah. I will be in Fayetteville let, for this one. Let I, me know if you I, need uh, restaurant recommendations. I will. I probably I, do. I, I, I'm not trying to derail this podcast for five, ten minutes here, Jason, but I've never been to Fayetteville. So I look forward to Sam's review next yeah, week. It's, it's, it's the best. It, it's an underrated SEC trip. It's an underrated college football trip. I, I have been a few times to Fayetteville. It's very pretty. Northwest Arkansas is very scenic. And okay. the the atmosphere for the game is good. The atmosphere in town after a game is good. Overall, I, I have enjoyed my trips to Fayetteville, so I've been looking forward to this one uh, going back. And I am planning to eat well. It's been a few years since I've been, so I, Jason, I may need an updated uh, list of spots to hit uh, before the game. But I am taking Texas to cover. That they, they they're laying seven. I, I've got the horns to cover. I think Arkansas is good enough to cover, but I am just a little troubled by what I saw last week with Arkansas offensively. K.J. Jefferson looked a little disjointed against that Rice defense. And Rice got a very good defense, but I, I was a little discouraged by that. Uh, they, they they were tied in the fourth quarter going uh, into the final stands against Rice. There was a game that was probably a lot harder than it should have been for Arkansas. Uh, so given that, I think, uh, and the way, te- how sharp Texas looked, I think, I think Sark has played this team before. Uh, you know, he was at Alabama, obviously, and obviously Barry Odom in that Arkansas defense knows him, obviously, as well. But this is different personnel; it's not Alabama personnel. So I'm, I, I think it's going to provide for an interesting matchup. But I think Texas covers. I, I'm taking the horns. I I think this one could be pretty spicy. I mean, I I I know I haven't forgotten 
how much Kendall Bryles hates Texas. I'm sure I'm sure they're going to be bringing it. They're going to have some good tricks up their sleeve for this defense. And 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 certainly I think we know Barry Odom um you know, yeah, they didn't they didn't shut down Sark's bam offense last year. Nobody did, but um I think I mean interested to see what he comes up with to you know, when you when you are facing a really young quarterback who's who's only had one start and uh and not a lot of experience here. I I think it could be a, a potentially kind of close game. Um but I I like Texas to cover the 7. Uh, not not so freaked out about Arkansas's game against Rice necessarily, but I just I, I I like as you said, Sam. Like I think you watch Texas right now, you can tell it's a, it's a different different coaching staff, and it's just a different. It seems to be sort of a different, uh, you know, sort of mentality with this team, and it, it, that was encouraging to see. Um, when they play clean uh, as they did on on Saturday, then you you see the athletes they've got. You can see that you, they can play really well. You know, might be a little bit sloppier this time. Um, we'll see how they can kind of sustain that week to week. But uh, I, I like Texas in this game, and uh, I think Texas is in, is in pretty good shape here to to get on a little bit of a run before they have to play. Uh, you know, TCU and Oklahoma. Max, I'm curious when you mentioned Kendall Bryles, is the last time Kendall Bryles faced Texas that game where they had the fight? Uh, remember when they had the fight near the sideline in the second half? Is that Ooh. the last time that Kendall Bryles has faced Texas? I. Think well. Hold on. W- w- was that Grobes? No, he was still there with Grobe. No. Oh no. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You know, because I think it was. It wasn't with Grobe. I think it was with Art. Okay. So I think so. It yeah. may have been 15. Okay. Baylor, Texas played some weird ones for sure towards the end of that that tenure there at Baylor. So um, yeah, I think it's. I, I'm. Ad- I, I think it could be. Uh, I think it could be a pretty fun game here, uh, but I think Texas will, will take care of business. Let me ask you Jason, guys. A qu- you well, let me ask you guys a question. Do you think that you should have to stick to what you said in the preseason in week two? Like, should, no. should we have to stick to predictions? Because I, I kind of feel like I should stick to predictions. And the prediction I made in the preseason was that Texas would lose one of their first two games, and I picked them to beat Louisiana. So. Do it. I think Do I'm taking. I'm thinking. I think. I think it. I'm taking the hogs. Call the hogs. I think I'm going to take the hogs. I think. I just think that that stadium is going to be so uh, intense. I think it's going to be a crazy environment. They have been looking forward to this game for a long time. I think Arkansas's talent is better than what they showed last week against Rice. I'm not sold on KJ Jefferson yet, but I don't know. There's just. I just have a feeling Arkansas is going to win this game, and I can't quite put my finger on it. But I'm going to take. Arkansas to cover and win. And in doing so, I'm going to give you guys a chance to catch up with me because we picked everything else the same. J- J- Jason's going Jason's gonna to duck out of uh, Norman uh, as quickly as he can and go drive over to Fayetteville real quick and call the hogs late on, Dick- <laughs> on Dixon Street. Yeah, I can, I can feel it. That's that's one. He's gonna pull pull the Baker Mayfield and head out to Fayetteville for for a nice Saturday night was, here. You know? See, I was gonna bring that up and say, Sam, it's best to avoid Dixon late on a Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. No, no doubt. I know. I've been. I'm I, I, I'm a little bit more grown. I have kids now, so I, I I don't have the those those bricks will get you, man. That's right, you know? man. I can't, I can't I cannot risk that at this point. So I, I still can't believe he got up from that hit. Really, like yeah. I, 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 my God, that was so intense. What an athlete. I love it. <laughs> toughness, baby. That's physical toughness. Well, uh, well guys, that was a lot of fun as always with you guys. And, let, yeah. Let's let you want to go through these last five. Real oh quick? yeah, of course. Oh my gosh. So let's we got it. West Virginia versus long Island. We got Oklahoma, Western Carolina on pay-per-view. We got, uh, 
on, on pay-per-view. I know. You gotta love it. Um, uh, you got Baylor versus Texas Southern. You got K-State versus Southern Illinois. And you've got Texas Tech against SFA. So, Texpert, which which team's a little, in a little more danger here? Is it TSU or SFA that could, could put up a better fight? Definitely SFA. Uh, Colby Carthel, they've got a really good squad over there. Nacogdoches. Uh, I, I don't expect... It to be super close, but I wouldn't be shocked just because that, that's a good team. TSU, I love. We saw the HBU game last year, too. That's right. Know, that's right. All these teams get up for that. Bailey Zappi threw for about 8,000 yards against Texas Tech uh, last what? year. So, that, and I'm sure the Jones will be, uh, will be rocking. But TSU and Baylor, it, that one's not going to be close. TSU, unfortunately, under Clarence McKinney, uh, who we know and love, has not done well. Uh, things have not gone well for for Clarence over at TSU. So I, I expect Baylor to have a much cleaner, dominant game in that they've one. They've had some bounce backs though. They've they've brought in some FBS players. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. They have. So they they just got to be able to get some wins. They they were close a couple times in the spring, but yeah, haven't been able to get through. But yeah, SFA is the only one of the of those that really I look at and say, huh, I wouldn't be shocked if that was a game at some point in the second half. But Texas Tech, I think, Southern still Illinois win. is slightly interesting too, but I, I, I can't see climbing overlooking an FCS game. You know, of course not. That's where he came from. But uh, no uh, West Virginia definitely needs this bounce back uh, against Long yeah. Island. Uh, so that would it, it would be interesting to see if they can just be clean and efficient early on. But you know, they got Virginia Tech coming up, and Virginia Tech certainly one of the the more surprising upset wins there in week one against UNC. So, um, yeah, this is a, this is a get right week for West Virginia. Yeah, but uh, overall, uh, an interesting week in the Big Twelve. Uh, I think uh, it's going to be fun to watch. I think it's a I think it's an important bounce back week for OU too. Not that I expect them to have any problems with Western Carolina. I think they'll probably win that game very handily and easily, but. Don't you guys think it's probably important for them to to look impressive while doing it after after last week? Yeah, definitely. Without question. Yeah, you get you got you got to get some confidence back. Uh, just go out there and finish. Honestly, that's the most important thing I think for this OU team moving forward is finish because they we know they can start well. We know they can move the ball. They just got to finish. That's that's really what it comes down to for this team. This team can do everything else. Yeah. It'd be fun to get a little, you know, Caleb Williams teaser too. If we can get some action from him, got a little bit of action from him last week. Score, yeah, rushed for a touchdown. And I like that red zone. The, uh, yeah, that was nice. The new belldozer. Um, That's if right. You know, you know. Thanks, guys, and thanks to all of you as always for listening. We're here every Thursday in the Andy Staple Show and Friends feed. So if you haven't already, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find our stories on the Athletic. If you're not yet a subscriber. You can sign up with our latest promotional offer at theathletic.com slash one true pod. That's theathletic.com slash O-N-E true pod. You're going to get comprehensive coverage of this Big 12 season and the future of the conference. So now is a great time to sign up. We'll see you next time.